Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, April 6th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. The price of gold was up and down this week. At this point, we're pretty close to where we were this time last week. As I record this podcast, gold is trading at $1,329.90, silver is at $1,653, and the silver-gold ratio stands at 80.67. Trade war talk dominated the news this week. Gold climbed on Monday after China announced retaliatory tariffs on U.S. goods, but dropped to a one-week low on Thursday after both countries signaled a willingness to negotiate. But in the latest salvo fired late Thursday, President Trump said he had instructed U.S. trade officials to consider $100 billion in additional tariffs on China. I find this whole trade war thing pretty interesting on several levels. First off, I really don't understand the people who think tariffs are going to ultimately be good for the economy. It's a perfect example of the seen versus the unseen. You can actually point to sectors that will benefit from tariffs, certainly, and I understand some of the arguments about making trade fair. But when you boil it all down, a tariff is a tax, and you don't tax yourself into prosperity. For every winner you see, there will be countless unseen losers. From an investment standpoint, I really wonder if a trade war might be the pin that pricks the stock market bubble. All of this talk about it has certainly stirred up market volatility. We've seen huge swings in the market based on whatever the latest trade war talk happens to be. Some mainstream analysts are now talking about $1,400 gold as the trade war intensifies. Sprott U.S. Holdings, Inc. CEO Rick Rule is one of the people who's bullish on gold. He told Bloomberg gold could top $1,400 an ounce as the escalating trade tensions drive investors into safe havens. He also said he thinks we're at the end of a three-decade bull market in bonds. He added, in the 40 years I've been involved in the gold market, the most important determinant of the gold price has been international confidence in the U.S. dollar, and in particular, the U.S. dollar is expressed by the U.S. 10-year treasury. The fact that the U.S. seems to be bound to engage in a zero-sum trade war has begun to strike people as something that's bad for everybody in the world, not just the U.S. The potential for a winterless trade war certainly gives cause for some concern. Rule isn't the only one thinking a trade war might be good for gold. An RT headline proclaimed, Gold Glitters as U.S.-China Trade War Escalates. The article quoted an analyst at ICBC Standard Bank in Tokyo saying, The trade war is going on and it's going to get worse, so that might be the reason that people are selling dollars and buying gold. The analyst went on to say he thinks more investors will be lured into the gold market. If a full-blown trade war develops and does prick the stock market bubble, it could send gold soaring. Last week, Peter Schiff said gold is poised for a breakout. If trade tensions persist and gold does hit that $1,400 mark, it could be the beginning of a long climb up. As Peter said last week, there is little resistance to stop a bull run once the breakout happens, and not much to stop it from going to $1,500 or even $1,600. There won't be a lot of sellers at those prices, but there'll be plenty of buyers. Momentum buyers will come into the market. Now, when it comes to the stock market, Peter does have a little bit different take than most of the mainstream analysts. He doesn't think all of this trade war talk is having as much of an impact as everybody keeps saying. In fact, after the market tanked on Monday, Peter called it just another bad day in a bear market. In fact, Peter said the market could have rallied if people had been in a buying mood because the Chinese response wasn't as bad as it could have been. But when you're in a bear market, all news is bad news. 
He said as he expected, traders came back from the Passover Easter break and started to sell almost off the bell. Everybody was talking trade war, but Peter said there was no real news to blame the sell-off on. Sure, tariffs are a problem, but there was nothing new over the weekend. China came out and announced a couple of billion dollars worth of tariffs on some agricultural products, but it wasn't anything that wasn't widely anticipated. They could have done a lot worse than this, and in fact, the market could have just as easily rallied on the fact that this was a relatively small response. The market could have bought if they were in a buying mood, but this is a bear market, and all news is bad news. Nevertheless, pundits and talking heads remain optimistic, just like they were in 2007 and 2008 before the housing crash. They didn't understand the problem, and they missed the obvious warning signs. Speaking of housing, subprime mortgage volume at U.S. banks doubled over the last 12 months, and it is on pace to double again this year. Subprime loans rank among the fastest-growing investments for banks in the U.S. Where have we seen this before? Okay, granted, this is not a repeat performance of the run-up to the 2008 crash. The banking industry has changed the name. They no longer call these risky loans subprime. Now they call them non-QM, meaning non-qualified mortgage. But we're talking about essentially the same thing. Banks extend loans to borrowers who don't qualify for conventional mortgages because they have bad credit ratings or they don't have enough money to make a down payment. And guess what? We also have another housing price bubble blowing up. We don't have the same kind of housing bubble today that we did in 2007. It's more like housing bubble 2.0. Nevertheless, we still have the same fundamental problem. People with average incomes can't afford to buy an average-priced house. In other words, the rising price of homes has priced a lot of everyday Americans out of the market. So, to keep the ball rolling, banks are stepping up to the plate and loaning the money anyway. Banking, pun intended, on the fact that the value of the houses will cover the risk. This isn't to say that we're poised for a repeat performance of 2007-2008. There are even bigger bubbles that could burst first. But this is yet another sign that everything isn't great, not like the mainstream keeps telling us. And it's further evidence that people don't learn from their mistakes, and they don't pay attention to warning signs until it's too late. Here's another warning sign that the mainstream is pretty much ignoring. There's a serious disconnect between corporate America and Wall Street. Companies are drowning in debt. S&P Global Market Intelligence recently released data showing that the credit ratings turned decisively negative in the second half of 2017. Corporate credit downgrades have outpaced credit upgrades since the first quarter of last year, and the spread between the two has gotten progressively worse. In the fourth quarter of 2017, the number of credit downgrades was better than 50% higher than credit upgrades. In other words, debt is catching up with more and more companies. As True Economics noted, this raises an important question. If things are getting downgraded that fast, what's likely to happen with the Fed policy normalization impact on the corporate credit markets? The answer is self-evident. As the Fed attempts to push interest rates up, we will likely see a significant increase in corporate bankruptcies as the increased cost of debt service squeezes the life out of cash-strapped companies. Here are two more data points to think about. Corporate net debt to EBITDA levels hit a record high. About 20% of U.S. corporates face default if rates rise, according to the International Monetary Fund. And the number of zombie companies has risen above pre-crisis levels, according to the Bank of International Settlements. Warning signs. They are a flashing. In gold news, globally, gold-backed ETFs collectively added 2.5 tons of the yellow metal in March. 
Overall, gold-backed ETFs increased their holdings to 2,415 tons worth an estimated $102.8 billion, according to data released by the World Gold Council. North American funds led the way, adding 21.5 tons of gold valued at $917 million to their holdings during March. So far this year, North American funds have accounted for 85% of total net inflows into global ETF funds. Inflows of gold into ETFs impact the world gold market, pushing overall demand higher. ETFs are backed by physical gold held by the issuer and are traded on the market like stocks. They allow investors to play gold without having to buy full ounces of gold at spot price. So, should you invest in ETFs or buy physical gold? Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist can help you make that decision. Give us a call today at 1-888-GOLD-160. That's 1-888-GOLD-160. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, please subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes for free. There's a link on our show notes page. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week.